Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 6 that the battle in which we are engaged is not against flesh and blood, but against forces that are dark. He says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And of course, Paul then goes on to encourage the believer to put on the full armor of God. In the days in which we live, how we need the armor of God if we are truly following the Lord Jesus. How vital that we recognize that we are not simply in a battle against mere physical enemies, but in a spiritual warfare. And all of us need to be on our guard because Satan has a, a wonderful tact, uh, tactic and that is often to use even God's people to bring disruption and difficulty where there should be harmony. And though, though, so we need the armor. But how much more so whenever we're facing a world of corruption? And those who lived in the early days of the church knew that this was the case. They were confronted by men and women who rejected totally the way of Christ. Even Jesus Christ himself was met by nothing but scoundrels who had to be enticed to say, uh, bring false testimony against him. His trial and everything surrounding Christ on the cross was a complete uh, la- a mistake. It It didn't match the standards of justice that should have been there. He was opposed by the Jews who were supposed to be the very people who would have embraced him. How wonderfully in the case of Jesus, God overruled the cross to bring mighty good, salvation to his people. The evil intentions of men he used to strengthen and to bring men and women to the Lord Jesus as Savior. Therefore, we're not surprised when we come to Stephen. The church has been developing. And rather than the opposition melting away, every time the word is preached, it seems to be growing And that certainly is the case here with Stephen in Acts chapter 6. We noted last week that the church was growing. That created the problems of the widows who weren't getting their share. And therefore they appointed what we would describe as deacons, men of ability to oversee a practical concern. And then we read at the end of that section that again the growth continued in the church, if you like. Even that encouraged and helped others to be added to the number. And so when we turn to verses 8 to 15, we have one of those newly appointed men under God, much empowered by God, but being opposed by the uh, spiritual forces of darkness. And so what we're looking at here is Stephen's wisdom and Stephen's persecution. And you and I ought not to be surprised at such a thing 
as a man of God being opposed. For when the word of God is having free course, Satan stirs up the enemy as the enemy of truth. And he stirs up people, men and women, as his instruments in seeking to destroy what is good. So looking at Stephen, I just want to give some brief thoughts about him. First of all, we want to think about him as a man full of God's grace and power. He was an amazing man. People looking on would have been absolutely marveling at what he was able to do. He was able to do miraculous signs. He was with, had great knowledge and ability in speech, it seems. He was, as we're told, doing great wonders among the people. This man was an amazing man. But we need to take account that it wasn't just Stephen. When we meet him, we're given an indication as to the kind of man that he was. What do we learn about him? We learn that he was a man full of the spirit and wisdom. That he was one who had put his faith firmly in Jesus Christ as Lord. And it was the wisdom of God that he used. And so when we come to see the miraculous works that he did, it wasn't Stephen. He was merely the instrument of God. He was the one through whom God was choosing to work. Scripture tells us that Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. That's why he was able to do the miraculous works. He had been elected because people saw in him already spirituality, but a concern and a desire for others. And now we read again of him as a man full of grace, of God's grace and power. That's how Stephen was able to do the wonderful works. Sometimes today we meet people who carry themselves with great assurance and they can speak with great aplomb. They seem to have a great expanse of knowledge about their subject. Uh, they're into it at great depth. And those people, we think, have got it all. But those same people are the ones who can very easily be brought down. Very quickly, whatever it is they seem to be standing for can just disappear. And they attempt to do some great thing for God because they think they're able of themselves. And what happens? They come crashing down on their face. Because it's all of man. It's all of their own ability. Their own words, their own thinking in the world. But Stephen was able to do the work because he was filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And one might have thought that such a man would have been embraced by the church. That such a man would have been encouraged. That the leaders of the Jewish faith would have looked to him and said, these are wonderful things. 
Surely we need to listen to this man. What's he talking about? But of course they didn't. Because they didn't do that with Jesus. They weren't going to do it with Stephen either. In fact, they stir up opposition, as we'll see shortly. The evil one sees a work progressing that he opposes and he stirs up all kinds of people to come against him. And he starts in the heart of the Jewish community, the synagogue of the freedmen. That was a synagogue where the Cyrenians, the people from Alexandra, from the provinces, they came together. Free men. The people from outside, perhaps the local area, came there. They were moving about. And that's where they found fellowship as Jews. But they didn't like Stephen's message. They didn't like what he was doing. Even though many of the people did accord with Stephen. So opposition grew. Stephen was a man full of grace and power. But they didn't see it. Nor were they ready to ask why. Satan is opposing him. So friends, you and I should not be unsurprised or we should not be surprised rather that when we seek to do good to further God's kingdom Satan is right there with us to attack us to bring down what good has been done. What a blessing to find that God takes us in all our sin and with all our weaknesses. And he can use our limited talents to do wonderful works for him. Yet as we do that, we know that the wicked one will seek to destroy. That needs to be part of our prayer as we approach God. As we have embraced Jesus Christ by faith, we need to pray that as we do the Lord's will, we will be strengthened to be able to cope with the enemy, that we will see his evil darts and be able to avoid them. That is to be part of our prayer. And the second part of the prayer is just that we will be preserved in the face of the opposition, that we might die daily to self be stirred up to keep on walking in Jesus' way. Stephen is doing wonderful works because he's a man of faith and of the Spirit. Does that describe me? Does that describe you? Is that how you think of yourself? You may feel weak. You have little ability in some areas. Friends, if you are looking to Jesus Christ, you still can be an instrument in his hand and he can use you for his glory. You can do wonderful works if you keep close to the Lord. He will use you to speak a word, to challenge and to bring someone else to know truth. What a wonderful thought about Stephen. Secondly, I want to think about Stephen as a man of wisdom by the Spirit. The first seems to be more the activity of Stephen, the wonderful works 
But now we're focusing more on the wisdom that he displayed. We find this coming through as we read these verses in verse 9 and into verse 10. These men, they began to argue with Stephen, those who opposed him. They were up against him and they thought that they would bring their human argument to bear upon him. But what do we read? But they could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by, by whom he spoke. You see, it wasn't a matter of Stephen's cleverness. It wasn't a matter of how he formed his argument or of the logical approach that he took, although all of those things might have been involved to a degree. It was a, the matter of a wisdom by the very Spirit of God. Stephen had learned about Jesus Christ, was dwelling in close proximity and union and fellowship with God, the Father through the Son, and by this, that he was indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and that Spirit led and guided him in the way of wisdom. Today some people might like to think they can use clever arguments. Certainly worldly people take that course. And sometimes believers, we feel ourselves almost shriveling up. How can we answer them? People know a great deal about a particular subject and we think, well, I can't really answer your argument. It seems so clear. But friends, here's the reality. The wisdom of the Spirit will give you words to speak. And all you have to do is keep coming back to Scripture. This is the truth of God. People might tell us that it's, it's nonsense to think about a flood. Is it really? It's the Word of God. Has anything ever been discovered that disproves the flood? Not at all. Not at all. And any, in fact, more and more, if people are honest about the archaeology of our world, it points more and more to a deluge of water. And we could take other examples and we just use that because that's what we were thinking about this morning. As we read the Word, we should be taking that Word in. We should be soaked in the truth. We should be using our communion with God so that when we speak, when you and I as Christ's people speak, it's not my Word. It's not what I think. It's not an argument that I have thought up. It is the very Spirit of God using the word that I have already learnt from God to speak. And when we do that, the world will be silenced. They will not be able to stand up. They can mock us and criticize us. They can say it's old hat and out of date and all of those things. But truth is and they are wrong. And so when we read here of Stephen being uh, such a man of wisdom, remember it is by the Spirit that he spoke. And that ought to drive you and me to our knees, that we would read the Word and learn it, that we would have the very Spirit of God, that when you're in the office or classroom or out in society and someone asks you a question, why do you stand so strongly for marriage? Or why do you so much against abortion that we have wisdom to answer them? Not a human wisdom, but
that the very wisdom of God or the myriad of other questions that will be thrown to the believer in these days. Pray. Pray for wisdom. And as you pray, answer your own prayer by getting into the Word of God and learning its lessons for your soul and for your good. Stephen, you see, was a man full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And we also will need faith to answer others. Thirdly, thinking about Stephen, I want to think about that last phrase at the end of those verses, the end of chapter 6. And they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. What a countenance. And yet I want to put this in the context of what was happening. There was Stephen, a man who was seeking to serve God. A man who was doing good. And he could have been angry and frustrated annoyed because all these people do is argue against him. In fact, they have wheeled in these false witnesses, as we read in verse 13, that they, they secretly persuaded some men in verse We have heard speak words of blasphemy. In verse 13, they produced false witnesses who testified, this fellow never stops speaking against the holy place. Now, all of those things were false. It was a twisting of the words. It was a focus on a particular phrase in the, and taking it out of context. Because I am sure that they latched on to something and then forgot about everything else. It was a falsehood. And Stephen may have been utterly infuriated and said, Look, that's not what I said. That's not how I spoke. But these people were stooping to the lowest to have him condemned. Of course, as I said earlier, he's in good company. But they did the very same with the Lord Jesus himself. They brought in those who would testify against him and do so falsely. Stephen is suffering the same fate. And yet, in the face of all of this, his countenance is like that of an angel. Friends, people will twist your words. People will try to misrepresent things that you do or say. But how should you react? What should our countenance be? Surely there's a lesson from Stephen, our face should be the face of an angel. If we have been working and speaking in God's name, and if we are sure that it has been of God, then we can be at peace. We can look up to our Father and reflect His countenance of peace. Because we know that no matter what they say against us and try to criticize the Word, they're not right that they have taken it out of context, that they're twisting the truth, that in fact the judgment will be upon them for neglecting to hear the truth of the living God. Stephen, under pressure, remained calm and serene. He was upheld by God the Spirit. 
For he was close to the Lord. He entrusted all to the Lord. Perhaps a word of caution. There are times when you and I need to get on our knees and plead with God for mercy and forgiveness because we have said something wrong. Because we have not been clear in what we have said. And because what someone is criticizing us for is in fact the very truth that we have failed to see. And we need to be open to see in our sinfulness with the best intentions of the world sometimes we make mistakes. And we need to say, Lord, forgive us. But when we've spoken the truth of God and we're sure of that, we can serenely, calmly have a countenance that is guiltless and that people may why is he not perturbed? I know if I had been in Stephen's place, probably I would get upset and annoyed and angry and overwrought. The face would be anything but serene and calm. You would feel the injustice of the, your own personal situation. And you would think to yourself, and I would have thought to myself, Why is this happening to me? Stephen, a man full of the Holy Spirit, is able to calmly look to God and say, Lord, this is all of your... Whatever comes, Lord, I'm in in your place. And I'm with you. My Spirit is with you. So friends, you and I need to pray for a right countenance. Not just the outward show, but a heart that is at peace. So that the countenance we have is seeking, uh, is at peace and one that glows with reverence for God and honor to his name. There's probably little doubt that there was something very special about Stephen's countenance that he was He was reflecting in those days in a very special way something of the glory of God. We can't expect that today. But we should have a face that demonstrates our peace with God even in the face of trial. So here are some lessons from Stephen's wisdom and persecution full of grace and of power. May you and I Seek the Lord's power to do the Lord's will. A man full of wisdom by the Spirit is your wisdom by the Spirit. And a man whose countenance was glowing because he was at peace. He knew he had spoken truth. May that be true of us.